Welcome back to Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. And we have a lovely guest with us today. And she has a blog called The Lovely Greens. And she's on Instagram and all that sort of thing. Her name is Tanya Anderson and she gardens on the Isle of Man, which is an unusual place that I actually thought, I think I know where that is, but I had to, <laughs> I had to look it up. Um, she is an American, even though she's in the UK now. And I'm very excited to talk to her about her garden and her new book. Hi, Tanya. Hello, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're very glad to have you. And tell us um, tell us what it's like to live where you are. Tell us where you are and what your garden plot is like. <laughs> the Isle of Man is a very small island, and it's in the Irish Sea between England and Ireland. And um, I arrived here just random chance. I lived in London before and was married at that time, and both of us had decided that we wanted to leave London, leave the city. I was really interested in exploring gardening and living, I guess, a bit more simply. And somehow we were watching television one evening and a, an advert came out for Visit the Isle of Man. It was an ad campaign, a tourism campaign, and it looked amazing. And he, my ex remember, remembered that from when he was a kid, his mom talking about the Isle of Man is where they went on vacation each summer. And so we kind of were intrigued and in the end, I ended up here and I absolutely love it. It is a maritime climate. So it's very similar to the Pacific Northwest where oh. I'm originally from. Oh, okay. Although it is a little bit colder, I would say. We're quite a bit further north. We're at the same latitude as Southern Alaska. Oh. But because yeah, so it's very dark here in the winter, but because of the Gulf Stream, it stays relatively temperate. So it's a really strange climate in that there isn't too much flux between winter and summer. Oh, it can no. be a little bit challenging. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to garden all winter, I imagine, at some level. Yes, definitely. Uh, there's hardly ever any snow. It doesn't really freeze here very often but it doesn't get that warm, but growing undercover, yes, you can keep greens going in an unheated greenhouse or a polytunnel, that's no issue whatsoever. And there are a lot of perennial vegetables and overwintering vegetables that do great here. Uh, purple sprouting broccoli is one of my favorites. And uh, a, a lot of the perennial vegetables that I mentioned in my book, they do fantastically here because they, they don't necessarily have a really hard winter to have to survive through. So it is it is actually fantastic in a way. I just wish it were a little bit hotter in the summer. Yeah, it's nice to be able to take off the jumper, right? The sweatshirt or whatever. <laughs> so let's talk about your book. Tell us about it. You've just, uh, it's just come out recently, right? Last year in April, I can't believe it's been that long. So it's coming up on a birthday right now. And the, ti let's, I, uh, the title is A Woman's Garden. Yeah, it's a, it's a woman's garden, there grow beautiful plants and make useful things. Yes. And gosh, this was the book that I always wanted to write. When a publisher uh, approached me, they had some ideas for me to write a book. And initially I was like, oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. And then I went back and I had a, a, a really good think about it. And I wasn't ready to put that much time and effort into something that wasn't 100% me. Oh. So I proposed this book instead, and they were all for it. 
which was great because then I got to, to write the book that I wanted to, something that's a little bit different from other gardening books, but one that I think really appeals to creative people, especially after having been through the pandemic and being at home and exploring crafts and cooking and basically being confined at times to our gardens or our, our lawns, our yards. And it marries together this idea of growing plants and then using them in different ways. So whether that is in creative cookery or in natural soap making or fabric and textile dyeing or uh, herbal medicine. So lots and lots of different categories of plants are introduced. And I wanted to give a really good overview of each, but also feature a woman who specializes in growing this type of plant and using it, whether it's for their business or for creative hobby or um, just an absolute fanatic about that type of plant. And the reason that I really wanted to focus on women is that I've been blogging and writing and making YouTube videos for a long time. And I know my people really well. And I find that it's women that are really interested in growing things and then I guess crafting with, with the plants that they make. And when I say crafting, that can include food as well. So beautiful edible, edible flower dishes, making things like the, the herb embedded pasta and also expanding out into soap and skincare, just beautiful, beautiful makes that take that aspect of the garden right through a process and make it usable in many ways through the home. As I'm flipping through your book online, I thought it was a very interesting thing to see that you sort of occupy the space between with your ideas and this book, the space between just ornamental gardening and simply edible gardening, vegetable gardening. Um, and the space between that I had never considered, um, I have uh, known people to make soap and it sounds awesome, um, but this is, a, this is a big project for you and all these other projects too. Most people, when they think, oh, well, let's bring the garden indoors, it's let's harvest some tomatoes and cut them up for a caprese or let's cut some dahlias and throw them in a vase. You take your garden indoors in a completely different way. Tell us a little bit more. You're absolutely right. With garden media, with literature, television, uh, podcasts and radio, you really have people that gravitate towards purely ornamental. So creating a beautiful garden for enjoying aesthetically or maybe for privacy reasons or uh, collecting specimens, or you have people that are 100% all about growing food. Mm -hmm. And you have so much to choose from in those two categories of growing, but there is a growing middle in there. And I think in the States in particular, it's lumped into this idea of homesteading. Oh, right, yeah. People who have homestead gardens, but that encompasses much more than just gardening. That's an aspect of being self-sufficient and- um, The permaculture. Animals. Uh, yeah, so th that's a lot. So I wanted to focus mainly on growing and using plants in creative ways. And that is what the book is about. And it really does reach that group of people who don't necessarily want to have a purely ornamental garden or a purely practical one, but one that can be both and fit a different need, a need to connect with the land and with the garden, to find a place that 
can be a bit of a haven can, that you can express your creativity and that you can learn more about plants growing organically and support, I guess, a greener lifestyle, but also a greener planet that way as well. Oh, yeah. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. And we're talking with Tanya Anderson, who is on the Isle of Man. She has a big um, social media presence and a lovely blog, YouTube, everything. And now she's just written a book. Look for your handle on Instagram, I think, is the Lovely Greens. Is it what other what other socials? Yeah, so Lovely Greens. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I am on Twitter, but I'm not on very often. And then, of course, I have my YouTube channel and my blog. And those are big. Yeah, that's yeah, those are the that's primary big. ways that you share your information. Yeah. So with with my website, I I show ways to garden, but also lots and lots of soap making and natural home ideas using plants in different ways. The YouTube is mainly gardening, so people tend to go there just for updates on the garden and gardening tips and and tricks and creative ways to reduce cost and impact in the garden while again maintaining a beautiful growing space. Um, you just had addressed before our, our little break the, uh, the idea that homesteading could be scary to some people, certainly scary to me. What I know about that just sounds like little house on the prairie I'm not doing that. I need my supermarket right around the corner. Um, but but the idea of bringing some things into the into the house to do, you know, snackable, fun, and 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 really good for you um, crafts with with some things in your garden. How did you get started with that? Was soap making your first thing? Uh, yes, with using plants as a make. Yes, when I first moved to the Isle of Man. I got an allotment, which a lot of Americans aren't really familiar with as a concept. It's kind of like a community garden, but you each have your own plot. So it's like, like a patchwork quilt of small gardens in one large field. Anyway, I, I got an allotment. I was really interested in soap making and, and making skincare. And I taught myself how to make handmade soap. And I had this allotment I was learning to be a beekeeper at the same time. Oh. So I found a way to be able to merge them all together. At that time, there wasn't very much information on natural soap making online, which was my main way of trying to teach myself. Um, there were very few books as well in that regards. So I started experimenting with different ways to use plants and natural dyeing, so fiber dyeing is actually a really big influence on natural soap making when it comes to natural colorants and all of that. And I found that there are ways that we can incorporate plants to a certain extent with handmade soap. And it's, you know, in the very least, it makes it more attractive and more interesting and that connection with the garden. And on the other end of that spectrum, they potentially could add therapeutic properties to the bars. Um, don't really know. I'm not going to say anything specific on that. I'm not a scientist, but there is there is definitely that possibility. And it's just such a beautiful way of taking lavender that you've grown and harvested and then perhaps putting it on the tops of your bars, that beautiful scent and that decoration. The same with calendula flowers. Calendula is my favorite plant to grow because it has so many uses throughout soap making and it's edible and you can use it as a companion plant and it's just so bright and cheerful all year long. 
So I started with the allotment, started making handmade soap, the bees, and then I combined them all together. And then it just kind of made, you, made me think and question, what else can I make? What else can I do? And there is just a world of ideas out there of what you can do with what you make. And delving into that, I think, is just really special and exciting, too, for those of us who are practical gardeners, but also a bit crafty and want to find a different way to connect with the plants that we grow. Tell me about how you, it must have been difficult to choose the women that you featured in your book. There were, I think, 15 of them? Eight. Eight. Only eight. So, oh, I got that wrong. Yes. Um, wow. So that must have been a very difficult uh, selection process. How did you go about choosing, and it must have been centered on, I don't know, your, your relationship with the person, but also what they do. Tell us about a few of your favorites. All of the, nearly all of the women featured in the book, I knew through social media. One, the, the one exception is Tarasinha, and I'm a customer of hers. She's a natural uh, dyer, and she supplies dye plants and dye plant seeds in the UK. But I had connected with everyone else on Instagram or Facebook. And what I wanted to do is feature a really inspiring female grower with a beautiful growing space that would be very inspirational, but with a specific story behind themselves as a gardener and what they grow. And so the feature not only showcases the plants in the growing space, but the reason why they garden, which is really different from person to person and how they find inspiration and use plants. And there are women from, Canada, the United States, Brazil, Germany, the UK. I feature in one of the chapters as well. So I gave myself the chapter on making soap and skincare. And I wanted to just show a wide range of different types of gardens, some variants in the, the climates as well. So everything from Canada to California, on that spectrum in North America. And then here in Britain, there's uh, a few of us in Britain that I know, and then of course in Northern Germany as well. And I wish I could do a book that would just focus completely on all of the different wonderful growing spaces and gardeners out there that fit into this genre. You could literally fill books with the inspiration that you can find, especially on social media these days. I bet, I bet, I bet it was just amazing. Can you pinpoint any feedback that you've had on the book that has surprised you? That has surprised me. I am constantly surprised by how many people buy my book and then they'll go onto Instagram, which is my main social media. They'll tag me in a post that they put up and just gush about how much they love it. And it gets me every single time. I'll <laughs> usually share it in my stories. And it's just such a surreal feeling to know that you've put your heart and soul into something and it's affecting people. And that was the most surprising point of it is the connection, not just between the women that I feature and I still have relationships with in the book, but with lots of other people, men and women. It's not just a book for women. It's for everyone who really likes that feminine spirit and that creative aspect of plants. 
and just that connection with other people that was the most surprising part of it afterwards oh i'm that it must be very heartwarming to read those things that's very cool because you put your heart and soul into this book how long did it take you to uh, to write it i signed my contract towards the end of 2019 and then i had December to work and then everything had to be in at the beginning of July and I did the vast majority of the photographs as well so that took a long time and then formulating the recipes and uh, of, of course soap recipes and getting everyone else um organized one one of the my big ideas for the book was that I was going to visit most of the women oh, and don't. photograph their gardens. And then of course the pandemic hit. So it was scrambling to figure out what to do. And fortunately, every single person came through with sending in beautiful images and giving uh, Cool Springs Press and myself the, the right to publish them of their beautiful growing spaces and some of the things they make as well. That's good. Yeah. Bad news is that you can't go see them. Good news is your social life is put on hold. So you have more time to concentrate on your book. <laughs> yes, that too. That too. My life became purely about the book for a while. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your garden a little bit. Um, what would you say is the, can, can you give us some features? Do you have raised beds? Do you have a separate veg um, place or do you incorporate your vegetables in with your ornamentals? Uh, tell us a little bit about your land. I have two growing spaces. So I have the allotment, which is the rented growing space. And I have a home garden as well, although we're at a new house now. So we're creating a new garden. We've moved in in April of last year. So at the same time the book came out, we moved. And the allotment is a lot more established. I've had it for years and it has lots of different beds. They're all divided by wood chip paths, mm -hmm. which I find are excellent in keeping down weeds and they're relatively easy to maintain as long as you make sure that nothing grows in them. And then each of the beds I grow in a polyculture, pretty much. I do, I do grow some things in rows and sometimes a type of veg or a type of plant will take up an entire bed, but it's very rare. I grow a little bit here, a little bit there, just to try to mitigate the impacts of any kind of pests. And also because I really like the way that it looks and it does attract pollinators. If you have a clump of chamomile here, another clump there, the same goes with lots of different types of, of uh, plants, including the rosemary and the thyme, anything that, that is herby and, and um, sends up flowers just attracts bees and butterflies and all kinds of wonderful pollinating insects. And then if somebody were to see your house um, in your neighborhood, would they know immediately from the front yard, oh, this person is a crazy mad gardener? <laughs> yes, but it isn't as well established right now. I, I'm looking out my window right now. So this is my desk and I can see the garden out here and it's, I'm putting in no dig beds. We're on a slight slope here. So I'm putting, I've put in uh, wooden, frames around each just to hold the compost in place. And I've just planted up, let's see here, how many trees do I have planted out there now? <laughs> I think I've got eight fruit trees planted up. I've, I have a row of minaret trees. Minaret, I don't know those, what are those? They are a specially trained type of fruit tree. It's a bit ornamental, but also very productive. They are trained on dwarf fruit stock but they're also trained to grow in a cordon. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're vertical 
uh, vertical trees that you can plant really close together and I'm creating oh, yeah. a hedge with them. And it's a mixture of cherry, pear and apple. And I'm training four of the apple trees over arches as well. So I'll be having living arches of apple trees in the future. It's gonna be beautiful. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot more trees going in. My partner is a little bit at the point where, are there any more trees coming in the post? <laughs> I just wanna know. <laughs> do you start with big trees or do you go small bare root? What do you do? We're on a bit of a slope here. And so I have to work with it. I don't want to overshadow anything a bit further down the slope. And so right now I'm focusing on semi-dwarf uh, fruit trees and they're towards the bottom or the middle to the bottom part of the garden. And we are putting in a polytunnel, a very special type of polytunnel up at the top as well. It's, I've, I've not quite released what it is on YouTube. I just uh, announced yesterday that we had planning permission come through. But it's oh yeah, a type I saw of, that on Instagram. You look yeah. very excited. <laughs> oh, planning permission. I know that some people in some areas, maybe in the States, I think, and, and other parts, you don't have to do any kind of planning permission. But here you definitely do for certain sizes and certain constructions. Oh. And this one is, is gonna be beautiful. And it's it's one that you don't replace plastic oh, every really? few years. So it reduces plastic and it's made by a very small company in the Shetland Islands. Ooh. And so you know it can hold up to the wind. <laughs> yes, which is so important here on the Isle of Man too, because we get blasted by storms through the winter. So yes. Cannot wait for that. And that is definitely going to extend my growing season. Oh, I know yeah. you mentioned no dig beds. Do you do a lot of composting? Yes, everything gets composted here. And uh, Bokashi composters in the kitchen, it's constantly getting topped up. I've got compost space outside. I've got a wormery. Oh, nice. So if, if it can break down, it can be composted in some way. I mean, I've not gotten to the point of composting toilets, but I won't rule that out in the future. I, I am very at, much inspired by permaculture. Yeah, I looked into those for a while um, because I I wanted to put one in my garage. I'm like, what, you know, uh, let me just uh, check into this. And I checked into it and then checked out of it. Uh, it it <laughs> looked fascinating, but I, I just, it was a bridge too far for me. Just couldn't, nope, can't, can't do that. Um, somebody has to empty those things, Tanya. <laughs> Yucky. Um, do you have any favorite tools that you work with in the garden? What's always on your hip? Do you have uh, secateurs or something that you love? I do. And I use a, a specific brand. And I won't mention the brand here, but I use it's a Japanese make. And mm. I love all of their of their tools. But does my start, number one. Does it start with an O? No, it doesn't. OK, just checking. That's my favorite <laughs> in their Japanese. It, it starts with an N. OK, all right. I'll yeah. check that out. <laughs> I've, I've actually looked and I don't think they're very well known yet in the States, but pretty much every professional gardener that I know here in Britain uses this particular brand and wow. with good reason. And the best tool of the lot is the Hori Hori knife. Mm. And I didn't think that I would ever like it or need it. And I was gifted one by this company as a, as a promotion and I cannot live without it is the okay. best tool that I've yeah. ever used. Do you wear it? Do you wear it on a, on your hip? Do you have it with you? I'm not really a hip belt person. I have a gardening bag okay. and it's always in the bag with everything else. 
Mine's in my holster and I can, <gasps> if I forget and I just pop into the supermarket, it's not, I get some looks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not illegal in the States here. I mean, you might be taken down. Oh no. <laughs> I, I, oh, I hadn't even considered that. No, we could, we could do a lot of things here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, can you think of anything else that you wanted to tell me about your book or your social? I, I know I'm going to put links to everything as I always do in the blog that goes along with the, uh, with the show notes that goes along with this episode. Uh, but can you think of anything else that you would like um, listeners to know about? Yes. There, there's a section in the book. So the chapter that I feature in, it shows how to make soap. And also a little bit later in the book, there's a section on how to naturally color soap using plants and, and fruit and vegetables and things like that. And I am going to be featuring this year on YouTube, growing specifically growing plants that I feature in those in the book for soap making in particular. And I think that will make people, I guess, a little bit excited. If you're interested in gardening and soap making, Rather than just read about it, you can see it as well. And I'm dedicating an entire bed at the allotment to soap plants. I'm going to keep tabs on this. I'm so, um, I'm not quite, I don't know enough about it to know that I'm going to do this, but I'm certainly going to look into people who do make soaps. Um, I'm just so over the one-use plastics and the pumps Mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. And I think bar soap has a big future coming. And if it's going to be beautiful and right from the garden, I mean, even better, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you can make liquid soap from scratch as well. It's a little bit more of a complicated process. I have a a free tutorial on my website, how to make liquid hand soap from scratch. And you make a batch and it will last you six months and it's completely natural. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so much to know. This has been fascinating. I wish we had time to go into it, but at least um, the listeners and the watchers of this will be able to um, know all about what you do and look at your channel uh, on YouTube and uh, the book, of course. Um, and I really appreciate your uh, your chat with me. Thank you very much, Tanya. Yeah, thank you. And if anyone wants to get a hold of A Woman's Garden, it's available on, at all major booksellers in the US. So think of any, like one starting with A, or one starting with E. <laughs> <laughs> All those ones. Got All it. those ones. And uh, I think Cool Springs Press may also have a list on their website of where to get. Okay. Right. Well. I'll make sure that's all linked up so that people can get into it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. This has been lovely. It has been very lovely, like the lovely greens. Um, <laughs> 